you can understand it's almost as bad as being two up at Old Trafford and then losing 3-2 in the second half as getting a reading that starts at John 10-11 for me. Um, but it happened to me, and I've told you before, it happened to me uh, a couple of three years ago when Father Martin and I were in America and we went to Delaware and I was given this passage, 10-11, um, and on to read. So I, I'd, I'd been prepared for it, and what I realized was, of course, you can't have 10-11 without 10-10. In fact, you can't have 10-10 or chapter 10 without chapter 9. Um, but we'll get to that in a second or two. Um, you know that if you uh, come to Fitzroy, in fact, we've just got our Ugandan hoodies for the team this year. They should be, they're printed and they will be picked up tomorrow, but I'm not allowed to open them until Caitlin gets home. It's just the way of the politics of the, the Stockman House. But um, Fitzroy 1010 are on the sweatshirt, uh, the, the hoodie. I made sure that wasn't missed out this year because it was last. 10-10. To me, I love it because it seems to me that it's the poetic phrase that best sums up the entire deal of all the books of the Bible. For me, this is the phrase that describes redemption, freedom, shalom, righteousness, stroke justice, salvation, Everything is summed up in this idea that God offers to a humanity that has fallen, that is rebellious. I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. The thing that every human being on the planet wants today. We all want life in all its fullness. We all want to know what it's about, what the full potential of it is. And so many of us are broken in so many ways that stops us to reach that or because we haven't been able to find that or reach that. It is all of the human desire to have life in all its fullness. And Jesus says in 10, 10, I have come that you might have it. But how and by whom do we get it comes in ten eleven. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. And in case we didn't get it, as Ian read it to us just a moment or two ago, Jesus repeats that again, that he is the one who lays down his life for the sheep that we might have life in all its fullness. So let's give it some context. When Jesus talks about being the good shepherd here, um, one of the commentators said, oh, you're... Those in the city don't know what shepherd... It was for an American audience. And let me say, when Americans come here, castles and sheep. We've got to show you castles and we've got to show you sheep. We've got to show you castles because it's so old that you don't have that. And we show you sheep, I have no idea why, because they're all over the place and we take them for granted. But you guys don't see a lot of them unless you're in certain states. So when we talk about sheep and shepherds, it's something that we're not an everyday connection with. But the people that Jesus is with are always in connection with it. And in fact, if you ever see any of the Jesus movies that take you back into the context of the Bible, there's always some dude with a few sheep on a string or carrying a sheep or there's sheep everywhere. Because in that time, they weren't coming in that plastic that's ruining the, uh, the world, they were getting their milk and they were getting from goats and the sheep and the mutton and the wool and everything was part of the economy. And of course, if you were of the Jewish faith, 
when you come to, um, uh, to the temple, then you come to a place where um, you're looking for the lamb or the sheep. It was part of everybody's life. So it's there in the Old Testament. We've thought about it and, uh, already in the service. The Lord is my shepherd. Maybe the most famous part of the entire Bible. And that would have been a, a picture that people would have understood very clearly coming from David the shepherd himself. But in Psalm 79, your people and the sheep of your pasture. The, the people that God was seen as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You are the, you're the people of my pasture. Um, and even in Ezekiel, we find this good bad guy thing happening. I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will make them lie down, says the Lord um, the Lord God. In the context of him telling us there would be other bad shepherds who wouldn't look after the sheep like he would. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep, the Pharisees who he's speaking this into, he's, he's, using, he's, he's defending what happened in Luke chapter, or John chapter 9 here in chapter 10, and he's toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, and he's doing that thing where he's saying, guys, I am he. I am the good shepherd. Not a shepherd, not a pretty good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am divine. He's saying right here. He's declaring who he is in the midst of this offer of life in all its fullness. Now, one of the scholars or one of the, uh, the, the commentators I read talked about scholars who would say that when John was writing this, um, um, which would have been after the fall of, of Jerusalem, that he was speaking to a Johannine group who were um, having a bit of grief from the Pharisees. And that this is a specific who the good and the bad shepherds are. But even if we don't think about it in those terms of that particular context for John to write, and I always find those things interesting, we need to understand that we don't take John 10.10 as some lovely thing for our sweater or hoodies. We see it in the context of the chapters before it, what Jesus says around it, and the entire scripture as its context as well. And what Jesus is saying is, I am God and I am committed to the people. I am committed to the people. Uh, I was uh, flicking the television last night, not really that interested in anything actually. Um, well, I was half interested when Spurs were one up, Brian, but you understand I soon knocked that one on the head. Um, I wasn't really paying much attention, but there was a couple of moments that I did, uh, well, one uh, that I wasn't paying attention to and it, just oh that's interesting for tomorrow's sermon it was the queen it was her 92nd birthday and as somebody put up today on uh, on facebook this morning i read it dear lover uh, is that what you have to go through if you're the queen and you're 92 but uh, some people have different opinions of that of course um but there was this lovely clip of her as a as a young princess ready to be queen and she talked about the commitment the lifetime commitment to the people of the realm that she was given it. Whatever we think of royals and whatever we think about the royal family and whether we should have kings and queens or not, there is a woman whose life has been committed to this duty. And uh, the sermon was sort of out of the way later on when I caught myself into Grantchester that I always find fascinating for theological and detective reasons. 
But he's going through in the particular bit that's on a Saturday night, he's going through that phase in, in the third series where he's fighting with God and he's about to give faith up and give vocation up. And he goes AWOL. And um, his mate, the policeman, comes to him and he wants to go AWOL and they both want to go AWOL. But they realize that they have commitments to make. Jesus couldn't go AWOL. God can't go AWOL. He can't have this period where he says, oh, I'm not sure I believe in myself anymore, or believe in those people anymore, or what I did anymore. I'm just going to take some, uh, some years out at the other end of the universe. Because as Neville so clearly demonstrated to his last Sunday night, not only did this God create the universe, but this God sustains the universe and cannot take moments off. Though he rested on the Sabbath, he can't go AWOL. He has to com- commit And Jesus commits. Jesus commits for all of us. Bad shepherds don't. He looks at the Pharisees. Hired hands don't. Even the Pharisees thrown out their legalism. But no compassion for the blind man in chapter 9. They run from things when it gets a little bit costly or messy. But I'm going to be the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I commit my life for the sheep. It's evangelism too, isn't it? Because if the world wants life in all its fullness, and as we talked about last Sunday morning, if we're witnesses, what we're witnesses to is that this life in all its fullness can only come under the protection, the guiding, the leading of the shepherd. A sheep on his own, on its own, in a, uh, up in the glens of Antrim on the side of a... I can never work out how they're balanced up there or how they got up there. But if you give a sheep the run of the place, it's not going to work. I've seen them on the road. I've nearly knocked them down. I've seen all the wool on the barbed wire. Not safe. Not. They need shepherds if they're going to be sheep in all their fullness. And if we want... Life in all its fullness, we're telling the world that if you want fulfillment, then we're witnessing to a good shepherd who is committed to giving all of us that life. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If we're looking for fulfillment, we need to be those who lack nothing. And when the Lord's our shepherd and he leads us in the pastures and through the valleys and down congregation, you were pretty brilliant there this morning. I hope the Americans weren't bailing us out now either side. I hope there was a few fitzers making those noises. But if we're wanting fulfillment. And finally, there's the deal. We are shepherds, not just sheep. Got to get our heads around that. Because in relationship to God and Jesus, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. But it's very clear if we read the Gospels and we see what Jesus' purpose was, that we too would be shepherds. Matthew nine thirty six. when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. John 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for one's friends. This was a command that Jesus was giving the disciples, love each other as I have loved you. 
Greater love is no one than to lay down his, one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. So the way the good shepherd laid down his life for the people of God, so he's calling the disciples to follow him and to lay down their lives for the people of God. And of course we get that illustrated at the end of John where Jesus and Peter are having their discussion. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And at the end of that, in chapter 29, verse 19, Jesus goes back to the very first words that he spoke to Peter. Follow me. So Jesus offers 1010 to the world through us, his church, the people of his church. Jesus offers 1010 this morning to you, life in all its fullness. I lay down my life. I am the good shepherd. Funny thing about life, you've got to give up your life to be alive. This is an offer to all of us. Life in its fullness. Not just surviving. Though I'm not saying through this by any means that all our problems are going to be taken away. Because that's just not the case. But the fulfillment, the vocation of our lives. It's in Jesus. And the shepherd's plan for how humans should be and interact. But he offers 10-10 to those around you and the pews around you. And so pastorally, many of us are struggling to live the 10-10 life. There are barriers in the way. There's all kinds of worries and ailments and issues. And Jesus offers the 10-10 life to the people around us in fellowship. There's more than tea and coffee through here after the service. There's the opportunity for us to be those who would be praying and helping and listening to the ones beside us as Jesus offers them 1010 life. They may need your shoulder, your ear, a word. Jesus offers 1010 life to your neighbors, through us. How can we help your neighbors live life in all its fullness? Jesus offers 1010 life to the struggling communities of Lower Ormo, where Heather and Brenda and so many others of you are down there doing many things to bring life in all its fullness, peace and prosperity to the streets around us. Donegal Pass may be the same in that longer term vision for a ministry there. The immigrant filled local primary school where Paul and Ruth go in every week, where Caitlin works on a daily basis, where we have them come into our church and where we go in and do assemblies. The Roma that come into our clubs, Jesus offers life in all its fullness through us. We've already mentioned Food Bank, IMP, where some of you uh, go and help with the immigrants. Those who have intellectually removed God from their lives at Queen's University Belfast, there's a whole other brokenness, a whole other place, another way to bring life in all its fullness. The students struggling with the pressures of exams or how they look or their peers. Staff struggling with the pressures of work or keeping jobs or getting their research done as well as teach. The hedonists on Botanic Avenue. A broken, divided city. And then the children of the Himalayas, the children of Peter Maritzburg, the children of Onelaku. Those in the Isle of Dogs that Carl works with. Those in Torrey del Mar that Stephen Anderson and at the moment Neville with him today in worship meets with. These are the people that God has said, look at them, see them. They are harassed 
They are a people without a shepherd. And I want to offer them life in all its fullness. And I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Feed my sheep. Lay down your life for the sheep. Follow me. Follow me. And to me the interesting thing I think is this. It's in doing that that gives us the life in all its fullness. It's in offering the life in its fullness to whoever those are who are in our scope and our radar and our ability to reach. It's when we deny ourselves and somehow through Jesus offer whatever it is we have to give to them that somehow then life in all its fullness comes right through our fingertips, up our arms, into our brains, our heads and our souls. So on Good Shepherd Sunday, on our annual general meeting Sunday, Jesus offers me individually and you individually life in all its fullness. He lays down his life that we might have it. And then he says, you, you go and do what I'm doing with this good news, this good news of redemption, freedom, justice, righteousness, homecoming, salvation, life here on earth, life eternal because the good shepherd laid down his life. Let's pray together. Lord, as we glance through our reports of what this congregation have done in the last year, we thank you for inspiring so many within this congregation to be involved in so many ways that this congregation are reaching out with life in all its fullness to local neighborhood, to the wider city, to the parts of the world we've just been thinking about. Lord, we thank you for all the places, all the children, all the adults, all the human beings on our planet that this congregation reached in the last year. Not only through those things that we do officially, but through those things that many of the individuals of this congregation do themselves in different parts of the world. And so we pray for all the seeds sown, all the different ways that we've reached out. Lord, by your spirit, may those things change the brokenness of our world to bring the kingdom that you long to bring. But Lord, as we read our reports, as we sign off our reports for another year, may we not be complacent, but may you call us afresh. Even this morning as we've been listening, what is it that we could do? Is it sponsoring a child? Is it going to food bank? Is it going over to IMP? What is it that we could do with the time that we have that we may lay down that time for to love other people in your name. Lord, keep whispering to us. Keep calling us into this kind of service. Because the funny thing about life is when we give up our lives for others, we find life as you meant it to be. 
Give us that life in Jesus' name. Amen.